Hello, everyone. Welcome to Allegram in the Podcast. I'm Abdullah, and with me, as always, is Tom. Hey, guys. Um, I, sorry, 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 sorry for missing um, last week. Um, we were both busy, and um, we couldn't make it, and stuff came up, and I'm sorry, and uh, just bear with me here, because yeah. it's, uh, it's going to be a long episode. And, okay, yeah. and, and, and again, um, it's going to be more freeform discussion, because when we miss when like we usually when we miss a week we usually record freeform discussions about stuff and but the but um just a heads up first probably maybe 30 or 40 minutes we're going to be talking about Doctor Who cuz we missed like a week and we got to talk about like two episodes oh, so yeah. so so just bear with me here okay uh Doctor Who um which which episode do you want to start with? I think we start with the not not the caretaker, but the one before, and then we go goes on to caretaker. Well, I, I thought the prison break one was okay. Oh yeah, the time heist. Um, I liked I liked it for my reasons. My reason mainly being that it reminded me of episode of um, Hustle in some senses, like the start of it, with them going in the bank and everything like doing the slow motion and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of episode of Hustle and a tiny bit of heat. Uh, also, um, I just I kind of owe you an apology there because, like you said, um, you said like one of your main criticisms about the season was that most of the episodes felt like they were written for like the the previous guy. Yes. Yeah, this one was this one was a Matt Smith episode. No fucking way did they write this when Capaldi came on. Yeah, it felt no fucking way. No Matt, fucking way. It felt very Matt Smith. <laughs> this episode but it it has had this episode has has had, had the best um supporting cast so far um i thought they were okay well to be, be, the... be fair let's look back at the previous episodes inside the dalek robots of sherwood <laughs> okay no no i mean I... I, I like I said, wise, that, that's what I'm going on. Like the support uh, um, is the strongest. I, I'll say that um, the best supporting cast they got so far was the guy who played Robin Hood. He was very fantastic. Yeah, but uh, what I'm just saying, he he's a one-off character for sure. But I'm just saying, like an overall cast, you know, a whole overall supporting cast. Like this had a good villain. It had a good. Um, this one, I mean. it just had a good villain. It had a good emphasis on the two people that helped them on the heist and everything like that. Even the creep, even the monster was good. You know? I, I like that monster because it's, you know... Practical effects. Uh, 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 the reason I like Doctor Who so much is that even though they still use CGI, most of their, like, on, on-screen monsters are all practical effects. Yeah. And they're fucking beautiful. Yeah. They really are. I was worried about last season because last season was going to territory when it was just nothing but CGI monsters. Quite yeah. And this season was just it seemed to realize that that was going the wrong way and they gone back to like, the prosthetic monsters and stuff like that and this prosthetic monster looked so cool and it was such a badass looking creature as well and what it did as yeah. well creepy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Turn your brain into like soup as they described it. No, I I liked it. I mean, I liked the episode because it just starts out and it you know hooks you in. This is what's going to happen, and it, and it just keeps going. It's it's like probably the most fast paced episode of of the season. Yeah. 
And like there were there were no slow yeah. moments in this. Also, you um you might not know this, but you know the um bank teller in the episode. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember remember the actress that played her name. Um, God, what was her name? Um, yeah. Do you okay? I'm going to say to you, did you recognize the voice at all? Um, what did she do? Cause um, I, cause okay, I... TV wise, she did Ashes to Ashes. That was the God. I I <laughs> every time I want to I want to see fucking Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes, but yeah. I just can just don't have the time to watch it. But, but uh, one of these days I'll watch yeah. it. <laughs> oh God, what's her name? I'm, oh, um, Terry Hansus. Um, you for anyone who doesn't know, she did the voice of Lara Croft in many of the Tomb Raider games. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> in like the I'm not trying to say sure the most recent ones, but the quite the few past previous ones before that. Oh wow, I did not yeah, know that. She did the voice of Lara Croft in quite a few of the Tomb Raider games. And she does appear in a lot of good different things and sure enough she appeared in Doctor Who and she's a really good actress. She's she's one of my favourite T V actresses on television at the moment. Yeah, because she, she, you know, she's not over the top, and oh. she really, she really um, nailed the villain yeah. role. I mean, you know, again, one of the weakest parts of this this entire show, to be quite honest, is the one-off villains. They're yeah. always kind of weak, but she did, she did a good job. Yeah, she uh, stood she out, quite, and I like, yeah. I like the twist with her as well. It turns out they're basically all all the people that run all the banks are all clones of ourselves. Which maybe no, and I, and I like and I like at the end where you know usually I'm not a big fan of twists halfway in the middle of the episode, but I did like the idea of wait a minute, we're not robbing the bank in the present, we're robbing it in the past. Yeah, I thought that was brilliantly well done. That felt very Doctor Who who-ish, like timey whiny sort of thing. Like you yeah. see him get the telephone call, and then they brought back the memory worms, which I love. I love the fact they brought the memory worms back because that did add a very good funny joke when they brought them in in the Christmas special. I think that was the the woman that was frozen in the lake they came in first time round. Or... Yeah, and that was very well done. And it's just, and just again with the supporting cast, with like the cyborg person and the uh, morphing woman, I thought they were really good. Yeah, I thought the the guy who played the cyborg was really good because I think I loved his line where he says, "You know, you go and live." And you know, you know what they say about the the what was it? When you die, you see your moment, your moment, your life flashes before your eyes. But what I see is nothing. Yeah, I thought that was kind of depressing. Oh yeah, that's really good character for because um, he doesn't remember anything. Basically, he he loved his family and fan. And he loves his family and his friends so much. He wiped his own memory to them not to be involved in any of his crimes he committed. And I thought that was such a good, strong character development to give that to a character. And I do like at the end where it's it's the whole reveal where it's like, oh shit, it's not a robbery, it's a rescue. Yeah, that's... like I thought that was that was pretty yeah. well done. And the twist being that the doctors basically set this whole thing up as the architect and everything like that, and knew this was going to come. And I thought that was done so well. I thought, and I'm kind of glad they did this with Capaldi's Doctor and not Matt Smith's Doctor, because if they did that with Smith, I would have been like, oh, come on, now you're just pulling shit out of your ass. Yeah, it's a, a new Doctor, and it's just like, it felt very Doctor Who-ish in the sense that the Doctor would go to these lambs to save another species' life, 
he would do something like that. And I like the fact that if that was the reason why they broke into the bank to save a, a, a dying species. And I like that when they got um, the bank tower woman to actually at the very, very, at the end of it, when you actually see her as an old woman in the bed, I thought the makeup was done pretty well on her. Yeah, I thought that was that was pretty well done, and I, and I do like the the beginning of the episode where he's like, "Well, Clara, it's just a phone. No, you know, nobody's life changes from a phone call." Yeah, and it's just like, and then it's just it's like, "Come on, come on!" It's like, oh, I do have to go. Wait, no, just just come on. It's not going to take that long. Uh, it was done really, really well, and it's like the little hints that were given throughout the episode as well to try to, to try you to try to work out who the architect was. I thought that was done quite well. I I, mean, I liked it because it goes back to more classic Doctor Who stories where it's more it's just a little bit more plot driven and yeah you can argue that the show has been a little bit more plot driven in previous incarnations but I don't know this this just felt classic like mm-hmm. having the Doctor come up with all this stuff and yeah. instead of just you know stumbling upon something and just saying yeah I'll, I'll you know deal with it yeah. It was done really well, and I love the bit when because both both the side characters sacrifice themselves to try to save to try to save the Doctor and Clara. Where they don't die, they don't die. But it's the thought that they basically will enough to put their life on the line for for the Doctor and Clara to complete to complete the mission. I thought that was very well done. Yeah, I mean, because uh, I mean, I think that, and we'll get to this when we talk about the next episode. What I love about the season more than the previous Matt Smith stuff is that the characters are actually much more better developed this time around yeah. as opposed to whatever the fuck that was in the last se- series. Yeah. And the other thing I like when when they actually came back and you saw the guards start to act weird, I thought, oh god, that's them under the armor, isn't it? And it was. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a very cool moment with them revealing that they they were under the armor and everything. And I I thought it was such a good moment. Also, did you see all the Easter eggs? The bit when the, the cyborg person was on the screen and it was going through all the different people. Yeah, it was. I saw one of them was an Ice Warrior. Yeah, one of them Ice Warrior. Savine was another one. They had Exorbian Dark from the Sarah Jane Adventures. They had John Hart from Torchwood. <laughs> Captain John Hart, um, Jane's, Jane's Master's character. They even had a guy from the 1964 um, serial comic turned up in it. <laughs> it was a com- I, 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 I like that, but I think what would have made it better if they just like qu- put like a quick flash of Roger Del- Delgado as the master. That would have been cool. <laughs> that would be good. That would have been very good. But I thought that was a nice little touch and everything. Like that. I thought that was very well done. No, I mean, it was a fun episode, and that's what I think was lacking from the previous series, was that I just never felt that the show was fun. It was just kind of way too serious and up its own ass, but here, it's just, it's a a fun episode. I like it. It's fun, it has a bit of drama, it gets a bit dark in some places. I think that's mainly because of the teller, the teller creature, that when it got dark in that aspect with that character, and what it did with turning everyone's brains in the gush, but... Um, yeah, like I said, just a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh, give it four stars out of five. I'll say, man, definitely. And on to the next episode, The Caretaker, which I, I get, I really like this episode. Oh, I don't know how you man. feel, but I, I love this episode so much. I really like the episode. I love the fact that they've gone back again. Like, like I said, like the previous episode, 
they actually use a practical monster. And it looks so badass. The oh, I love it. That was awesome. The Santrax? Was it called the Santrax? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember what it was, but I loved its catchphrase where problem, solution, destroy. <laughs> it was really, really cool. It, I, I don't know why. I just, it, it, again, it's like a very... Like we said about the previous one, this did felt like a classic Doctor Who episode. Also, I'll, I'll say it right now, Peter Capaldi's one of my favorite doctors now after this episode because yeah. he just nails it. He was amazing in this episode. He just... Again, this was the episode where he shows that he's, you know... Yeah. What, he's, he's come full circle, and... I, I, I loved him in this episode yeah. so much. This, he was just fantastic. This episode, you can tell, was actually written for the next Doctor as well. Yeah. It was blatantly <laughs> written for this version of the Doctor, which I like. <laughs> and I... And I'll say it right now, I love his, genes- his chemistry with Jenna. I think that yeah. him and Jenna have a fantastic chemistry, and this episode showed it. Yeah. And it, like like I said, the, my problem with the Matt Smith uh, run was that him and Amy just didn't really get along. Like, they never clicked for me. Yeah. But but we here it just felt more natural. I don't know how, but it was it felt more natural. I, I know I keep praising um, Jenna Colvin for each episode, but I... She's been one of my favorite companions so far. I, I'm really, I'm really, really going to be dis. I'm really, really going to be sad the day when she does leave. Because <laughs> you know, eventually the, the companions' life cycle is normally about three to two seasons. Well, three to two season, four at a push. But you know, um, uh, I mean, Billy Tyler stayed for like two incarnations. Yeah, Billy Piper, and then, and then she came back. Um, at least for quite a few specials and one-off episodes and two parts. So, you know, she's, she's stuck around and, you know, same thing with... I think with, with Tennant's run, a lot more companions stuck around with him yeah. more than the Smith stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. With Smith, one, it's like, well, they're gone. Well, can't you just travel back in time, go a year forward, or just go to New Jersey, get a cab and get them back? No, I can't. <laughs> Fuck you, taking Manhattan, angels take Manhattan, I fucking hate that. So, anyway, um... <laughs> I I think I think also I love the fact the chemistry with Danny Pink, um, Danny Pink character with the Doctor's character in this episode. It made me laugh. It a bit. was it was brilliantly written. I I liked it because you know what it reminded me of so much. Yeah. And I hate to say this well, because I know a lot of people are gonna get mad at me for this, but oh it reminds me so much of Pertwee and the Brigadier in the classic series. <laughs> I can I can now you mentioned that I can. Kind of see it a little bit, but um, the the thing that made me laugh about it was the bit where he's at the fuse box and he's basically playing with the electrics, and, he, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, he's a mass. Oh, he's a PE teacher. No, no, he's a no. I'm a mass teacher. PE yeah. teacher." <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I love that a lot, and especially the bit when um, there's the um, the contact the convex. I think I can't, I can't pronounce its name, but when the alien crashes into like the assembly hall and get trapped into the portal and then Clara was trying to play off to Danny as a um what was it, like, like a play and he says how much of an idiot do you take me and the doctor's like I can take a guess at that <laughs> and it just made me laugh because it it's it's really like I said I love this episode so much because it was fun it was a lot more character driven and I like it so much because yeah. it's 
because it's really developing these characters. And like you said, this one actually feels like it was written for Capaldi's Doctor yeah. and not Matt Smith's Doctor. I think the one bit, the one bit in the episode where it got really, really serious is the bit when Kara um, snuck Danny onto the TARDIS with the Doctor um, to lead up the parents, even. And um, he comes on invisible because basically Danny said, "Oh, he knows I'm here," and everything like that. And um, and he says to him, oh, I know, oh, you're a time lord now. And he went, and he <laughs> said, yeah, he went, oh, I know the type. And he basically said, he's not a soldier, he's an officer. And I thought that was a very, very good way to put the Doctor, because I was ever since, I'd say, since they brought it back with the start of Russell T. Davidson sort of thing. Um, that's pretty much what the Doctor's been. He's been sort of like a general in the sense that he has led these people to go to war almost against some of these big bad guys. Yeah, because like when when they rebooted the series in 2005, like when Russell T Davis took over and he came in and he was like um he pretty much said with 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 uh Eccleston, he said like this is not going to be like the classic Doctor Who, they're not going to be like any stupid scarves or stupid crappy looking monsters. Yeah. He's just going to wear black, and it's going to be serious. And, yeah, again, I think, like, if you want the darkest incarnation of Doctor Who that they've never been able to re- recapture to this day is the is Eccleston's run. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. And I, it's one of those things, it's like, this, uh, ever since up to this point with Chris Rexon's, um, with to Chris Rexon to um, Peter Compaldi's Doctor, um, and since the start of the Peter Compaldi's Doctor, He's trying to distance himself from being that person who would lead people to go into a battle, a war, stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, especially it goes back to into the Dalek, where she said, where the soldier woman goes up to him and says, "Take me with you," and he's like, "I can't. You're a soldier." Yeah, and that was just depressing. Now, back looking back at it now, and even the scariest bit in that episode as well, when the Dalek turns and faces the Doctor, he say, he, he he's like, "Oh, look at all the destruction, all the mayhem." He said, "You know what?" I said, I am not a good Dalek. You are a good Dalek. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, ooh. So you're pretty much saying that he's a good kill- killer. <laughs> wow. Cause it, and, it, and it kind of makes sense. Because, I mean, the, the, you know, a lot of criticism that, you know, Smith Smith's run got was be, it was way too lighthearted, I think. Yeah. And it was way too... It, it was way too it, convoluted. It was way too lighthearted. Every time they tried to go dark, it was usually just one episode, and that was it. And then they would go back to doing like lighthearted, goofy shit. And it it kind of, I would say, up until like the fiftieth anniversary, it didn't kick back up for me. Up until the fiftieth, for me at least. Yeah, I I I think the other thing that made me laugh about this episode as well is that um, he went back to using John Smith as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and that's being used since the Bird Doctor's incarnation when he was working the the time when he was with Unit, and then David Tennant used it a few times in School Reunion and um, the two part of the family of Blood two parter. Yeah, because I remember that. I mean, um, classic. Um, they were yeah. What was it? Fucking. Sorry, I'm I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I happened. But yeah, um, the other thing I noticed as well that he made a reference to River Song as well. Oh yeah, we, we basically <laughs> say say you can't human. He went well when me and River Song got in an argument. I ended up spending the week with a bunch of walruses. It doesn't make me human. 
<laughs> and the other bit that made me laugh as well, it's a little musical reference, but apparently there's a bit when Clara scorns a untidy pu- pupils or something like that, and you hear the docile whiff whistle um, another brick in the wall. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh a little bit when I when I heard him whistling that tune because it's just like it's 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 to do with, with, with rebellion and youth and stuff like that. So that made me laugh quite a bit. Oh god, I love I loved it where he's like, uh, "Can't you read?" It says, "Keep out." It says, "No, no, it's not." It says, "Please not." <laughs> I, how, how do you think about that character, the um, that new girl? Because she's going to be in the next episode, so. How do you feel about that? I'm kind of mixed about it because, again, I, again, going back to classic series, I know people fucking hated that. What was that shit little shit's name that was with the Fifth Doctor, the little shitbag uh, Avic? I oh, think his name boy, was. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just, ooh, don't don't get me started on kid characters. Those. Ooh. I, again, it sort of remind me of um, Ace's character a little bit, like the rebel sort of thing. I guess, but she but, was, you know, she was, she was supposed to be. She was supposed to be like a teenager. Yeah, I don't know. It annoyed me a little bit, but you know, again, the doctor. Also, I kind of, I, I don't like the idea. If there was something I don't like about this episode, was just how very open he was about telling peop- a little girl like oh yeah I'm space guy and he takes her out at the end and it's like well I, really I, I, I think the doctor is always the, one of those type of people that always attracts the um, what's the word I'm looking for he always likes the people who stands out for the crowd to take him to take him as a companion you know I guess that's, 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 that's the reason why he took Rose was in like the very first episode, Rose, was because she stood out from, from everyone else he met during that episode. Uh, he, he likes taking eccentric, different people. That's that, that's the thing with the Doctor. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're Pertree's Doctor. He was, like, stuck with Joanne, and, like, they brought her in, and he was like, I don't want her. He was like, well, tough shit. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if you were Colin Baker, who basically drove everyone away, because everyone can't, everyone got on his nerves. <laughs> but, I feel so for Colin Baker. I know, I know. But, um, yeah, I just thought, overall, um, it was a good ep- It was a good episode, I felt, and it did some really good, wonderful stuff, and and it did relate me when back in school as well with the whole thing with Danny and Clara. Like, when you knew a t- two teachers were going out with each other, like the whole the whole side of school talks about it. Oh God, I love that bit with with her parents. Where he's like, "Well, last year you said she was an intolerable nuisance, but the year before you said she was a very in- intolerable nuisance. nuisance. So that's kind of an improvement, isn't it?" Yeah, and then I love the bit when they run out of the room when when the teachers say and when the parents said um, said to her, he went, "Well, she was definitely right about those two. <laughs> Yeah, it made me it made me laugh quite a bit, but overall, I think it's a very fun. It was a fun, light-hearted episode with with plenty plenty of entertainment and some really again good character delivered moments with and good development between between um, Danny, Clara, and the Doctor. And it looks like Danny is now officially a companion now because it looks like he's going to be in the next episode. Yeah, I don't mind that, and I just love the fact that Danny did that like um gravity defying. Jump over the um, over the alien as well. 
<laughs> that was badass. Yeah. He's like running straight at him and he's shooting the lasers and he just like does that defying flip over him and like the doctor's trying to shut him down and he goes in self-destruct at the place. I don't know. It, it, it was a fun episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm liking the season so far. This is probably like one of my favorite seasons so far. Yeah. Which is kind of funny considering how shit the opener was. Oh, the opener was horrible. Like... Because we were, like, we were worried. Like, if you go back and listen to us, like, when we talked about the review, the opener, we were worried about this. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. And sure enough, you know, it 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 got better. It yeah. got so much better. Mm-hmm. I can't, I don't remember who, uh, like, Doctor Who being this good for her. For a while. For a while, yeah. you know, it's crazy. I will, I will say one thing we did not mention about, um, um, quickly, it's that the Doctor mistakes Carl's boyfriend in that, that other teacher that looked very, very reminiscent of the um, of the Twelfth Doctor, and the oh Smith, yeah, the is it Twelfth or no Eleventh, 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 yeah, it looked a bit like Smith, and that, I think that was done on purpose. Because <laughs> he even says so. So there was an alien who looked like that other teacher until and, he changed into <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I see what you did there. <laughs> and if they didn't do it, obvious enough, he had the same sort of haircut and he had the bow tie as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Overall, um, well, how did, what do you give this episode? I'm I'm kind of mixed, because I want to give it five, but the part with the little girl kind of makes me go, eh, you know, I'll, I'll say four. I'll say 4.5 on my end. Yeah. Because I, I mean, um, liking it so far. Love the season. Yeah. Hope it, hope it stays on, on the, on the current yeah. run it's going on. And I like the fact they finally brought back the promised land. They're getting back on track with that. Because I'm glad they took two episode break away from it, and finally they've gone back to it. But you know, it's good. Oh, that was a, that was a creepy closer. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was disturbingly creepy. Yeah, I recognise the guy who was the reception guy. I have, don't know who he is though. Hmm. I think his name was called Seb. He's a comedian, I believe. He's a British comedian. Oh, I know where he's from. That's gonna where? that's gonna be funny because if him and Peter Compaldi meet up, they've both been on the thick of it. <laughs> if they're both on the screen at the same time, you know someone's going to make a meme about that. <laughs> it's like the doctor. Have we met? I also like Sip going back to a little Capaldi for a second. Um, I'm kind of glad because there were rumors like before the season even started that they were going to explain why he looks like the Roman guy, and I'm kind of glad they didn't. Um, that would have been fucking stupid. We don't know yet because he also appeared in Torchwood um, Children of Earth. Yeah. We don't know yet. It, <laughs> there's still a few more episodes to go. God, because <laughs> I wanna, I wanna know how they explain this. Because I'm, I'm kind of curious now. <laughs> you just sit there. Go on. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm glad they're not taking a season break. I am so glad that they're not. Oh yeah. Again, we're doing this up until like November fourth, no. I think it is, until to like the final one airs. I know it's the. I'm just looking at now. It's the eighth. Okay, so and the, and the final was going to be a two-parter as well. Of course, it is. Yeah. Be written by Moffat. Hooray! <laughs> but, um, 
But yeah, overall good episode. <laughs> so that's our Doctor Who, um, the related stuff. Yeah. But um, I just want to say, like, one of the the pieces of news that really made me smile today, and like just before we changed subjects, was did you see the picture that um, uh, on Twitter of um, of the actress that played Joe visiting the set uh, of Doctor Who with Peter Capaldi? No, I haven't. Oh. Send me a link to that. Oh, it's so, so lovely. Because she came on set, and um, and they and she posed with Peter Capaldi, with um, uh, doing the same pose uh, with the Third Doctor. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Just made me smile. That's cool. That, that's nice to have done that. That's that's nice. Like she she was just there on set one day and she came in and you know Peter being a class act decided to take pictures with her because he grew up during that yeah. um, during that era. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I've got an interesting story. Um, on the um, Friday we had this talk show sort of thing called um, what's it? Oh, God, what, what's his name? Oh fuck! I can't remember his name, but we got a talk show with um, Jimmy Carl. I think his name is. Um, I can't remember the talk show, but it's the BBC One one. And it's on Fridays, and um, they had um, Peter Capaldi on it. Oh. <laughs> and um, when they had him on it, um, they were talking about um, about when he was filming. Um, the Three Musketeers. Yeah. And apparently it was filmed in like this country far, far of like this, this Northern European country somewhere. And uh, what happened? This little kid came on set and came up to him and he went, he said, and keep in mind this, this kid came up to him before he was the doctor, even was announced that he was the, the doctor. <laughs> and he said to him, you were good and you were good doctor who. And he thought, wait, wait, how does this kid know? And then, and then the kid, he couldn't speak English that well. And he he said, and then the kid basically said, in Fire Pompeii, and he went, oh, and he, because the thing with, um, oh, God, um, with Peter Capel, he was in the Fire Pompeii episode, and yeah. <laughs> he basically, he, he's like this, he's, he's like this little kid, and he just, it's like this kid, this teenage, this young teenager, and he just, he was like, right, get a camera, and he's, he said, he said, do you have a camera, like, on your phone or anything, and I went, no, he went, look, just go and get a camera, come back. And get a picture with me. <laughs> and he did. He got a picture with him. And you can imagine what that kid's reaction was when it was announced that he was the new doctor. Because <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't say that. Oh, I'm the new. I'm going to be the new doctor. So you know that kid got to be shocked <laughs> to learn that after taking that picture. It's like, trust me, this is going to come back and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was a brilliant little piece of news that they did with it. I was, oh, I can't remember the name of the talk show. It really bugging me. It was on BBC One. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that was a very nice nice piece of news they did as well. And um, again, um, The Three Musketeers. That was okay. Um, BBC show. Wasn't great, but eh, it was okay. Because they've been like... Just because there have been like so many fucking different incarnations of the Musketeers yeah. that I think I'm just like, do people even care anymore? <laughs> that is Gray and Norton. Gray and Norton show. Okay. That was the name of the show. It also had um oh was it Denzel Washington on the show as well? 
Oh yeah, he's got a new movie out. Yeah. They were talking about the new film, and they were talking about um, he had this thing with his finger where he had a football injury with his little finger, and each time when he knocks it, uh, it pops out of place. <sighs> and apparently they said to and um, Graham Norton said, "How do you do action films and stuff like that?" They went, "Oh, if you watch my film, if you watch the stuff I'm in carefully, you always see me playing with my hands, and that's the reason why." If you see me playing my hand in a take, it's me trying to pop my finger back in the place. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just like, uh, I'm going to watch a Denzel Washington film now. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I'm going to have the watch for him playing with his hands now. Ever since he says that now. Oh god, now it's going to be a meme. Like everyone's going to take like scenes of Washington <laughs> in his movies, and you're going to see him fiddling with his hands. Yeah. <laughs> and then you knowing our luck, it's probably going to be some really gross, disturbing stuff as well. <laughs> Playing with my hands? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Mr. Hands. Yeah. <laughs> Denzel uh, Washington is Mr. Hands. Oh, God. that's going to be the title of the episode, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a good. It was a good little show thing to sort of watch. Um, I know we've not been talking about wrestling a lot recently because you know we've been shit. Oh, I, I, I'm like blacked out on a wrestling. Yeah. Like the last thing I thought about all week was wrestling because I just don't care anymore. Guess what? Guess what? Back on TV, and I've been watching. What? Total oh, Deepest. Total Divas. Yeah, I've been watching Total Divas. <laughs> And my God, last I watched um, last week's um, literally like the episode w- was out on yesterday, and my God, it was so bad. <laughs> but it's funny. This this is the thing I love about Total Divas. It's one of those things that you watch. You know, most of it is scripted, but still at the same time, it is something magical to watch. It's like it's so over the top, so silly, and so sane. And it, um, I've. The one thing I thought when I was watching this show, the one thing I thought I would never see in my lifetime is Daniel Bryan getting an argument with Brie, with Brie in a laundrette, um, like a washing machine, um, like a electric appliance store, wash, arguing about what washing, um, washing machine slash dryer they're going to buy. <laughs> it was a funny sight. It's like Daniel Bryan, you can tell with him, he's getting annoyed and everything like that. It's just like, she said, no, we researched this online. We know which one we're going to get. And he's like, well, we're here. We can buy it for cheaper. And it's just like, it just made me laugh. And then it's like the last week's episode was even worse. Oh, God, I can't even imagine the show getting any worse than it already is. Okay, imagine this. Summer Rae has returned from doing her quote-unquote film. <laughs> and um, Rosa Mendes is basically um, being babysitted by um, Natalie because that's literally sees her as like, oh, you're the most liable diva. You look after you look after her. So um, she's looking after her and stuff like that. And Rose been away for about over a year and a half, so she doesn't know what's been going on within the company that well. And she doesn't <laughs> know anything about Summer Rae, what's been going on with Summer Rae and Natalie. As you know, what's happened with her nose, with Summer Rae, like, breaking Natalie's nose and everything like that. So she thought, okay, I'm going to try to get these two to talk to each other. So, and you know, like, um, this is the thing that I think that's not scripted, is that um, if you're a wrestler and you want to drive to a state in a rental car, that happened. You share a car. That's the thing. Like, it's either between two to four wrestlers that would get into one car and they would drive, drive to the different states, as you know, right? Yeah, and, that's, how, that's how it goes. Yeah, 
and some some people go by plane or some people mainly rent out cars and stuff like that and they drive to these different states so um natalie was in a rental car with um rose rose mendes and rose mendes invites summer ray along to come in the car ride with them oh god behind natalie's back and natalie turns up to the car and she's there and she's like what the fuck is she doing here and she said, no, no, I thought you guys can get along in the car and everything like that. You guys can talk about all your differences and blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And I was like, this is going to end badly. So this is the car. <laughs> Natalie's driving. Um, some, ways in the, some ways in the back. And she's just talking about all this crap and everything like that. And basically Natalie just snaps at her and, say, and just says to her, he said, oh, he said, Oh, so doing that film didn't help you. Because what happened was that Summer Rae said, well, I think everyone missed me, didn't they? And everything like that. And, and Natalie just said, nope. <laughs> and she said, well, are you jealous of me being in a film? Am I jealous of you being in a film? Fat chance of that. He's considering it's like a Marine sequel. Yeah. And he said, well, she went, well, I was in the scene. She said, well, I'm in the Marine Four. And while you're with the WWE, like, yeah, that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. I'm in the WWE. You're off for doing a film. And I was like, <laughs> oh, boy, this is going to get bad. And, and then I went, some Raider said, well, this, this is probably the reason why you're having a problem with, um, with TJ at home then. I can understand now why. And I thought, oh, shit. And... Uh, <laughs> And I think this is when Jim, the whole her Natalie, because people don't know um, Jim um, Jim Hart, um, Natalie's father, he has a temper, and he oh, seems sort of it. And this yeah. is you actually see her that side of the family come out of Natalie because she literally stormed off the road, pulled up on the side, got out the car, yanked the door open, and dragged Summer Ray out and start start getting getting like an argument with her. <laughs> on the side of the road and keep in mind Rosa Mendes just got out of rehab <laughs> what is this going on so you're gonna imagine I can imagine them fighting outside while Samurai uh, what was her name Rosa Mendes sniffs a, a packet of cocaine in the backseat and it just it's just like she's Rosa breaking down she got those two to get back in the car she took over driving and then she just said right you two no more talking and you said well we got the I said no more talking <laughs> and just, and just, just left it there for like half a minute with them just all sitting quiet with Rosa driving. <laughs> um, also, there's a thing with there's a there's a bit of um, controversy going on with um, Naomi and Cameron, the Funkadactyls. That was quite funny. We're basically the blunt reason why um, because um, the guy head of town relations, uh, Mark, I think his name is. And he's basically come in, he's like, well, this is how we feel. It's like, no, you're the one with talent. So <laughs> you're going to be the wrestler, and Cameron, you're going to be the escort from now on. Oh, God. So you can imagine, because I can't see, how would you script something like that? You don't, because, like, that's how, like, I've heard, I've heard shoot interviews with people, and, like, when they... When they get told, like, you're going to do this from now on, we have no no real position for you in the company, that shit's real. Yeah. It's like, like, that That shit's not, not fucking scripted. Well, I mean, look at the Bashams, Chobo was another example of that. Um, and, um, oh, God, who was that guy? The guy was CM Punk, the bald-headed bloke. 
Oh yeah, I mean, because it's because it's real. Like you, you got guys coming in, and usually when you come into the WWE, they already have the shit planned out for you, like what you're gonna do. And when they come in and tell you like you're gonna be a valet or whatever, that's what you're gonna do. No, no discussion about it. Yeah, and what she did, she didn't like it, and she basically said said to him because this is what happening at the moment. She went back to NXT, and that upset Naomi quite a bit because it's like, well, I'm sticking up for you. Why are you gone behind my back when I'm trying to help you out here? And she said, look, I think it'd be more beneficial if we go back to the NXT. So they got in an argument. So that all kicked off. That was kind of weird. But um, there's all this weird, this weird thing with um, John, um, with um, with Naomi's husband, John, the one of Usos. Yeah, Uso, John yeah. Uso, or whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, I think it's John. Oh, Fat Two. Fat yeah. Two. John, yeah. John Fat Two. And what happened with him was um, he's getting annoyed at the moment because at the moment it's that um, Naomi got a problem with her body and stuff like that. So, womanly parts, basically, it's not working all down there, is probably the best way to put it. Oh, God. So, they're talking about that. And <laughs> she's basically she's gone to lunch with Summer Ray and Eve. To basically just say to him, well, my husband got a high sex drive. <laughs> and I thought, oh, God, that got me scripted. And, um, it's, and then someone was like, oh, I know what we can do. And I said, what? Well, you can't have sex with him because of your problems at the moment. Why don't, why don't I take um, – Rosa was there as well. I said, why don't I take you to a, a strip pole dancing thing? So they go to this strip pole dancing class sort of thing and learn how to use a stripper pole. <laughs> and isn't that just great logic where it's like I'm having marital problems? We just just learn how to strip. Yeah. Like just learn how to strip. Because the reason why they did that was because she wants to satisfy satisfies them, but in the way that um, they can't have sex. So she learns how to do it, and apparently, so what? Does she just? Does she like? You know, and I'm gonna be disgusting here, so you yeah. know, uh, you know, fair warning. But what am I about to say? But what you're saying is, if she wants to satisfy him and not in a sexual way, does she like just strip and he jerks off while she watches? <laughs> Why do you say that? Um, Summer Rae, the one who made that joke, because <laughs> she basically just like you say, because what happened is that she goes on it. And apparently Nicole's very, very good at it, as as the as the instructor, the female instructor says. And basically, some of them say, you know what? If you're that good, he'd be done after you've done the first move. And by the time you get on the second one, he's like, nope, I'm done, I'm out. <laughs> and <coughs> that was done. That, that was done quite funnily. And again, John Cena, John Cena didn't do much in the episodes apart from had a shock face on his thing when he learned. Um, when he learned Nicole was freezing, um, Nikki was freezing her eggs. Oh, God, I saw that clip. That clip was fucking horrendous. Oh, John Cena's face is just like, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked. Because you can tell, like, what, on his... I swear to God, like, when you pause that scene where when she tells him, and you that look on his face, it says, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. I think that's how pretty much how John Cena and Daniel Bryan feel about being on the show most of the time because they've got that face, they look at their face and they say, what are we doing? 
Because I, I feel I feel sorry for him the most because, like, they just dragged him in because, like, well, you know, John Cena, you know, more people are going to watch it with John Cena and uh, is on the show. And I'm like, there literally is no reason for him to be on the show other than being John Cena, apparently. But, yeah, again, I have saved the best for loss. Um, I'd say the two best for loss. Brian and Nikki had had an intervention with Bray because she's getting stressed out with not working. And apparently she's taking out on Brian. This 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 whole thing was whole stage, but yet again, I think on some level she was generally getting stressed out because she wasn't working because she was taking time off to look after to help the early stages of helping Brian getting better. And I think it was, but it was over exaggerated, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a wrestling business. You're probably going to have them screaming up and saying, oh, you know, you're not doing what's best for me, and blah, 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 blah. blah. Really tame conversation. Like, I think, like, the (laughs) F word was thrown, like, like, twice in the conversation. That was it. (laughs) It was a very tame sort of thing. And then it's like the end, Bree's like, yeah, I sort of know. But, you know, it's like, I'm glad that you guys said something rather than not saying anything. And, again, um, it was Natalie's birthday, and apparently TJ forgot got about it and didn't bother to get her a cake or anything. <laughs> um, well, not forgot, but he didn't bother to do anything for a birthday. <laughs> so they had like the week, they had the weekend, like this weekend party sort of thing. It was after the uh, NXT takedown, the first um, NXT pay-per-view. And so they got her father, um, they got Natalie got her father and mother over. And I think TJ got one of his family members over as well. Mm-hmm. And he buys she's, he buys her like this exercise machine, which pretty much she had no idea to use, but apparently TJ knows it inside and out, and she wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> so she, she's like, oh god, she's like she basically just said, "You didn't buy that for me. You bought that for yourself." Yeah, I've I've seen this plot line done so many fucking times yeah. in sitcoms, uh, like in fucking sitcoms. I mean, where he's like, "Oh, it's your birthday, but you know, I'm getting you a gift for me, but it's for both of us," and yeah. he acts like a total dick bag about oh, it. Yeah, and yeah, it's just, yeah. And so she basically got in the car and drove off and stayed at a hotel, and she invite, invites Rosa over and everything like that, and they spend the evening <laughs> with each other. And you and, know that's scripted because no fucking way is fucking Natalie gonna hang out with Rosa Mendez of all fucking yeah. people. <laughs> the funny thing was when he went to the club and it, it, it's like and the episode just gone, the fourth episode of the season. Um it basically I didn't know Rosa was quote unquote bisexual, gay, or however you want to put it. Because the start oh. of it you see her walking down like the hallway with Paige and she starts hit, hitting on Paige and then Paige just bluntly just says, Yeah, I got um don't take this the wrong way, but I got this feeling that you're trying to hit on me. <laughs> I'm not gay. <laughs> and she said, well, I'm not a lesbian. I just want to make that clear. And um, and he said, yeah, yeah, no, I know. But I'm just telling you are good looking. So take it as a compliment. And she went, oh, okay, I will. <laughs> and because she feels bad for Natalie, she tries to kiss Natalie. Oh, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> and it's funny because Natalie takes her aside on a, on just before live taping. And she says... Look, you can't be doing that. And she she said, "Look, I can understand where you're coming." From. And she said, "Look, I appreciate it, but you just took took that level to extreme." Said, and she said, "Oh yeah, I know, I went too far." Da, da, da. And when they're walking back, she slaps her on the ass, and, that, and he's like, "Stop it!" 
It might be Janet. Blake, but... Oh god, if that was actual, if that was not fucking scripted, you that would be a trip to HR, and you would get your fucking ass fired right yeah. there. And the other one that made me laugh as well was the um, oh god, what was the other thing that made me laugh as well? Um, I don't know if it's problems or not, but I don't know if it's good real life sort of thing crossing over. They're dramatizing or not, but apparently Natalie's having marital problems with um, TJ, and they're, they're yeah. sitting there talking about it, and she says. She said, well, are you going to say sorry? And he said, no. And he said, well, ever... and then TJ said, well, so explain this to me. 12 years of being together, we were fine. But one year of us being in a, in, being married is a problem. And I was just like, oh. And then suddenly <laughs> she got a call from Mark conveniently. And she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm alone. Yeah, I can talk. And she just walks off. <laughs> God. That's so scripted, it's not even fucking funny. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's been all right so far. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's totally deep. It's just one of those things that's a train wreck. You watch it, and you're like, ah, okay. <laughs> Better than the actual diva segments on Raw, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. It, it was, it's funny because it's just one of those things. It's just like they're talking about it. And I think the most real thing about it was the whole thing with the phone that called breaking them up and basically telling one of them, "You're you're you're the you're the wrestler. You're going to be the valet from now on." I think that wasn't scripted at all. And then with Cameron going to talk to Mark about her saying, "Look, let me go back to NXT so I can train to become better, so I can come back." And Mark saying, "Well, you know, if you do go back, it looks like that you're basically quitting on yourself." And, oh, that's a load of that's a load of horseshit yeah. right there. <laughs> and, and then he said, "said Well, if you do go back, um, you basically you do realize you might not come back to the main show." Yeah, bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it does does happen now and again. But it, it, yeah, it, you're it, telling it, me you're telling me fucking Sinkara ain't coming back on the main show. Fuck off. He eventually is going to come back on the main show, but at the moment he's in NXT for for yeah, obvious I mean, reasons. Yeah, I it's just it's just a little horseshit. I mean, that's just fucking horseshit right there, saying like, "Oh, these guys are never going to come back and are never going to be part of the main roster." No, they're going to be back. Trust me. Yeah, just 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 give it like a month or so, month or two. Yeah, I mean, because cause they they're you know, the reason they bring in guys. Like, I mean, for fuck's sake, Cesaro was on fucking NXT for God's sakes. Yeah. But yeah, overall, um, Total Divas, as per usual, is living up to its total standards, and I totally love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, I know it's bad, but you know, it could get worse. Let's watch it get worse. <laughs> it's, it's like a constant train wreck. You, you know that scene in the Blues Brothers? Um, this is my ground Total Divas. You know that scene in Blues Brothers when all the police cars crash into each other? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much Total Divas. It's basically like you see one police car crash and you just watch it to see how many more police cars are going to crash into the actual crash. <laughs> That's how I describe it. But it is dumb entertainment at its finest. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're keeping up with this shit because I really have no interest in watching it. Because, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those shows where I, there's so much... There's little... Uh, there's just so much I can take watching these fucking women bitch at each other until I'm just like, you, you're fucking rich women working for the fucking WWE. You have no fucking reason to complain about shit. Oh, you mean like the orange and um, the real housewife of, of um, whatever county they're in? 
Oh, God. <laughs> like that, then. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's what I've been watching at the moment. Um, apart, apart from, I also went to, um, for those who don't know, in the UK, we have this cinema called the Prince Charles Theatre. And here in the, UK, in the UK, it's been known for a long time. It's been around since the, I want to say, oh God, it's been around for, it's been, it's been there for quite a few decades. And it, it's been, it's been known for quite a few people since the 70s. And it's been known to show alternative films or obscure films. So it's like a, it's just like an art, art, art house um, thing. Art house, independent films, you name it. Um, to give you an idea how 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 weird some some of the weird stuff they show. Um, this is they uh, this is what they're going to show on October the eighth of this year, and this is what they're showing. I'm just going to read this: the only cinema screaming Sharknado two. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and I went there to watch um, on the big screen was um, Escape from New York, which I'm kind of shocked you never seen yeah, before because well, I'm like, wow. <laughs> I, I, this is the thing with me with Escape from New York. I seen bits of it before, and I knew what what the premise was. I knew it was about this guy who goes into this giant prison that is basically covers the whole entire of New York and so on, etc. And I knew it was a John Carpenter film, and I, I like John Carpenter and from the. Big Trouble in Little China, Halloween, The Warriors, and so on, etc. Anything, anything before 2000, John Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and sure enough, I heard Escape New York was on, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to, um, I want to see this film. So I did, and it, I did not regret it one bit. I enjoyed it from start to finish. Yeah, it was it was, was a it was a great it was a great fucking movie because I think my experience with it was it was like on cable one day, and me and my dad just like watched it like just straight up, and we and and here's like my dad's like that kind of guy who you know yells a lot at like football matches and shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and like so he, you know he kind of gets into the the action and stuff like that, but we were so into into the fucking movie, we were just, like, silent the entire fucking way oh, through wow. it. It's like, like, on the edge of our seats going, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? And it was amazing, and it probably has, like, one of my favorite quotes of all time. You are the Duke of New York, A number one. <laughs> a number one, yeah. Everyone laughed at that bit when the, um, when the president said that back to when he killed him, the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone laughed played at that. Played by the late Isaac Hayes. Yeah. He was in um, Halloween as well, wasn't he? I think so. I yeah. haven't seen Halloween in a long time, though. I think he was in, like... I think he was the security guard that... He was at the start of the film when um, Mike My um, Michael Myers broke out of the um, insane asylum. Hmm. And I was... It was such... It was so well done, it's, this film. I enjoyed it from... I enjoyed it from start to finish. And it's, again, it's watching that atmosphere with a bunch of people... Who really, really liked the film? That made it. Cause this, this, this is the thing with the Prince Charles Theatre. It's the home of cult cinema, and it always have been known for this place where you can watch, go to this place and watch obscure stuff you can imagine. Some of the most obscure stuff on the planet. Again, it shows Sharknado too, for God's sake. <laughs> which is an, which yeah. is which I mean a lot of theaters are doing that now. I mean like I've noticed like a lot of theaters even here are showing them Sharknado 2 yeah. on on October which 
again, good for them because I think it's one of those movies that you kind of need to experience with an audience. Yeah, because like, it's 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 kind of like the room where you uh, you and me have not really seen really experienced the well. I, I have. haven't really. Exper- I have. I have. I, I haven't really experienced the room because you experienced it with a live audience, and that's yeah. I think the best way to experience it. In yeah. any format, yeah, I, went, I think I experienced it back about nearly nearly two years ago now, and my god, I did not regret it one little bit because I knew what the <laughs> film was. I seen bits of the. I mean, I knew the idea of the film. I I got the film on DVD. Funny enough, it's actually actually looking at it right now at my shelf. But um, it's one of those films that it's so quotable. It's such a fun environment, and the the set of rules. I think we talked about the rules before on on the podcast, but. Um, it was such a good, it's such a good experience. You need to experience with audience. And the thing was that we dragged someone along who had no idea what was going to go on, and I didn't want to tell her anything that was going to happen because if I told yeah, her one thing, it was going to put her off. Because that's pretty much like what it is. Because like even like when you watch it alone for the first time, you're just like in awe of like how shitty something can be, and you're like, it's it's so shitty yet you can't really hate it. No. Because it's so bad, it's so, it's so bad, but it's just so entertaining in its own way, and it's just, I don't know, you can't really explain it, you really can't explain the room to to people who have not seen it, or experienced it live. Yeah, well, that's what I mean, it's like, um, next week, um, I'm actually going back there again to watch The Big Lebowski on the big screen. Oh. (laughs) And it's a quote along as well. Like they're going to encourage you to try to quote quote along to the film, so that's going to be interesting. I think it's uh, that's another one of my favorite movies, and um, one of my favorite bits of trivia in that uh, movie was like I think the word "fuck" is said like over two hundred and forty nine times or something like that yeah. to that to that extent. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> well, they finally did it. They blew up my fucking car. Oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? This will happen when you fuck strangers in the asshole. John Goodman was just the best thing about that movie. He just stole the show for me. John Goodman in that film is so over the top. And my favorite sequence in that film has to be the drug hallucination scene. With the dom as as the bowling serve, the guy who was at the Cash, the cashier at the bowling alley. Oh, I, th- I think my f- what was it? Eight year olds, dude. Eight year olds. <laughs> oh, well, that was bad. That's bad. And and then it had a very funny dark comedy sort of bit. Is the bit when you, you they have the the tin, and the tin is basically had the ashes in it. And when he when John Goodman take the lid off, he's trying to push. It. Basically, untie it and try to throw it off into the ocean. It just all blew back in the dude's face. Yeah, yeah. I think one of my another my one of my favorite scenes was, and this just goes to show you how good of a character actor Jeff Bridges is. Is that throughout the movie he's just playing this laid back kind of guy who just doesn't who just gets into trouble for the, all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And he and he you know throughout the movie he puts up with Walter shit like he doesn't stand up to him or say anything. But up until the end where. Like when they're buried with the ashes, with the ashes scene, he finally stands up to him, and it's such a great scene because he finally stands up to him and says, "For fuck's sake, Walter! Not everything has to do with fucking Vietnam." Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's just like because the thing with the dude, he's such a laid back person, and it's just like he finds he he doesn't like loses loses his temper, but he does like 
well, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> when he do that speech, we were done with Donny. And the thing with um, Donny as well, he was played by... Um, uh, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. And again, it's, he's very young in this... He looks young in this film, weirdly. Um, I think Steve Buscemi is like in most of the Conan Brothers movies. Yes. I'm not sure if that's correct. But the best way to describe the film, it's it's basically a 70 hips of reject called The Dude who is a pot-smoking bowling freak who gets caught up in this um, hilarious kidnapping. And, 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 all it, and all it like starts out is bec- like there's this whole kidnapping thing and all the dude cares about is a fucking car. I'm pissed off they're pissing my rug, man. That, yeah, dude, that rug really, um, really did tidy up the room. <laughs> I mean, because they're... I'll tell you right now, like, there's no, like, it's a movie that you really can't describe to someone who hasn't seen it the first time, and, like, someone had to talk me into watching this, because I'm like, what is this, Big Lebowski, it kind of looks dumb, and, you know, whatever, but then we, I sat down and watched it, and I I tell you right now, I could not stop fucking laughing throughout the entirety of it, I could not stop laughing, like, seriously, could not stop laughing. The thing was with the Bill Bowski with me is that my stepdad recommended it to me and he said, look, just watch it. You're going to love it. You probably will like it. Um, and I thought, okay, I sat down and watched it and I fell in love with the film. I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And <laughs> um, we, okay, it's so long story short. Um, I went on holiday back and this was back around about 09. I went on holiday with a couple of mates and every time I went up to the bar, I won the cocktails I always ordered on holiday was a white Russian. <laughs> and because, no, it's not a white Russian. No, it's not a white Russian. It's Caucasian. Caucasian, that was it. Yes, that was it. <laughs> and um, I kept ordering them, and um, my mate kept saying to me, "He said, why do you keep ordering a white Russian?" And I just like, um, and I went, "Dude, you ever watch the film The Big Lebowski?" And he went, "No." And I thought, "Watch that. You will understand why." And one day they finally got around. And they said, "Look, we're going to get the big. We're going to rent the big Lebowski. Is it really worth it?" And it's like it was him and his girlfriend at the time, two of my closest friends. And I went, "Just watch it, for love of God, just watch it." And he, uh, and they watched it. And at the end of it, they called me up and went, "It was pretty funny." And I, I said, "We liked it." And I thought, and I went, "Yeah, it's good." And then one of and one of them just said, "Yeah, I can understand why you like white 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 Russians now." I went, "Yeah." <laughs> And it, it, the whole thing is that the whole reason why the dude is in this situation is because you get mistaken by thugs as a billionaire. Yeah, because again, the same, same. Because uh, again, it's a case of mistaken identity, and it's just really weird. It's a weird fucking movie. And the, the, here's the thing with the Conan brothers: like they have a weird sense of humor. Yeah. And I understand like their movies are not for everyone. It, it kind of took me a while to get on board with their movies, but. You know they're they're kind of a main inspiration for me because in my writing because they know how to fucking write characters really well and and they know how to fucking direct like their direction is just beyond flawless yeah. I think yeah it just it's it just some of the stuff with um, John Goodman and Jeff Bridges character is amazing in the film the bit when they have to drop off the money and the whole line where's the money Lebowski where's the money. <laughs> And it's it's like why it's a it's a can, can we choose any rug? He went yeah, pick any rug you want. And he's like take the biggest rug there, take it back to his apartment, get knocked out again. So like, can't I just have the rug? And he was like no, that rug belongs to me. You can have any other rug, but not that rug. But that rug really tidy up the room. 
I think I think one of my my the scenes I laughed so fucking hard at was when he was when Walter loses his shit and starts messing up the car and he's like wrong fucking car. Yeah. He beats up and like the guy comes like what are you doing with my car is that your car or no dude that's my car <laughs> he beats up the dude's car. It did some amazing little cameos from some actors who actually went on to do bigger things. Weirdly, this was some of their first time roles. Um, you know the the one the thugs that beat up um who beat up the dude at the beginning. Yeah. Um, one of those guys. I don't know if it was the guy with the ferret or was the two guys beforehand. One of those guys was the one of the main characters in Loss. No, really. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember which one. I don't. I can't remember if it's the one that pissed on the rug or the one who was beating him up, but. Um, yeah, that was one of the main characters in Lost, and he was in the whole show from start to finish in Lost. Also, um, of speaking of, and it and it was the introduction of Tara Reid as well, who would go on to do Sharknado. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, the bad woman who flies across the room throwing paints on the canvases. Who was that again? I don't remember. Oh god, she was mad. But it. Uh, what was it? I I know Julianne Moore was in this for like a brief bit. Yeah. <laughs> When she shows him, she shows him yeah. a porno. He's I, like, you can guess what happens next. What he fixes the cable. Yeah. <laughs> I, I again, like you mentioned with the Conan brothers, with their very, very weird sense of humor. There's like the most awkward situation when John Goodman's character is like, no, he's faking it. He's faking it. He's not actually a cripple. And he picks <laughs> him up and throws him out the chair, and he can't get back up. I thought, wow, that is awkward, but I can't stop laughing. <laughs> Oh, it's made me laugh. Quite again, I think again that's, and that's the movie that I think I saw that made me fall in love with John Goodman, and he's that's why he's one of my favorite actors of all time. Is like you know to me that is the definitive role. Like he just nails that role, and like I said, he really him and Jeff Bridges really carry the fucking movie. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Well, again, it's it's just you know I'm kind of you know kind of envious of you experiencing this on the big screen because it's just one of those movies I think I I want to see on the big screen just to see what the experience is like and if people you know will quote it or you know yeah yeah well anyway um sorry for sorry for the um, impromptive episode guys it's just been a hectic week and we kind of need to get going so. See you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.